It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 17th of April, still in Oklahoma. We'll talk about Russell Westbrook, what the Jazz need to do to him, and how well they did it in Game 1. Then, we'll look at the Jazz offense and what needs to be altered. Finally, it's a Time Machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So glad to be with you today, bringing you all the expertise, insight, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtains that is the daily edition of Locked on Jazz. You can also get all the latest on LockedOnJazz.net. Plus, all the latest in the Lockdown Podcast Network at LockdownSports.com. Today's show brought to you by Slow the Flow, Murdoch Hyundai, and The Advocates. All right, let's get to Westbrook. Uh, I want to talk a little Russell Westbrook. So, I think we know a little bit of what the game plan is on Russ. Russ shoots, from an offensive standpoint, we talk about, he shoots 33% in the paint non-restricted area. He shoots 40% in the mid-range, and he shoots 29.5% from above the break threes. Coming in against Rudy, he'd only taken 19 of 97 shots in the restricted area. So it's you're trying to keep him off the rim. You're trying to keep him in the half court, and you're trying to keep him off the rim. And if you take a look at Russ and what he does during the regular season, he gets those transition buckets that we saw him get twice early in the game, and he gets to the rim. What I think is, and let's, actually, let's stay with his shot selection. I actually don't think, I was leading this to something, I don't think that's actually the key to him. That's kind of what I was going to get to. So just so you have it in perspective... On an average game, he takes about five shots at the rim. He takes an average of ten shots in the paint, so five in the non-restricted area. He'll take a decent amount of mid-range jumpers. You you can get him on a given night to probably take about six, seven mid-range jumpers. And then he takes three to four threes. And he's not a great shooter. He's in the 55th percentile of... Field goal percentage, 41st percentile and three-point shooting. Uh, and you can gen- – otherwise, he, you know, he's pretty special. Uh, when he gets into the restricted area, he shoots 64%. When he's in the paint, as we talked about, he's not a great shooter. His, his mid-range twos are about 39%, and he's not a very good above-the-break shooter, and he's not a very good off-the-bounce shooter. So you're trying to, you're trying to alter him a little bit. Um, and you know, his, he drives about 19 times a game. He comes off about 37 picks a game and he gets about 12 chances a night in transition. Pretty wild. Like that last number is incredible. So now that's, you know, that that's kind of where we, we think of Russ the other aspect of this that we don't talk about enough with Russ is we don't talk about his passing. So 
Russell throws the second most amount of passes to a corner three shooter in the NBA. LeBron's number one. So we, we talk about Russ's assists. I mean, we know he gets all these assists. But here here's a note on the Thunder. The Thunder shoot off 17% of their passes, second highest rate in the NBA. So the Thunder, when they make a pass, they make a pass as, as quickly as, or, and shoot off that pass about as close to anyone in the league. So part of what you're doing when you're dealing with Russ is you're trying to take away, keep him off the rim, keep him in there, but you're also trying to, to the best of your ability, not allow him to make passes to the corner three. LeBron led the league last year, this year through 359 passes to a shooter in the corner. Russell threw 240. In game one of the playoffs, Russell Westbrook threw one pass to a corner three shooter. One. Okay, that's pretty good. That's executing a huge part of this game plan is trying to get that. The second part of Russ is that Russ throws the second most amount of passes to anyone at the rim in the league. He did this eight times for four made shots. That's a lot. Most of them were late. James Harden leads the league in that. For the season... Russ did that 561 times. Actually, I take it back. Russ led the league. He, he surpassed Harden, and, which is about seven or eight a game. So a large part of defend, what am I, why all these geeky weird numbers? Because a huge part of defending Russ is not only trying to keep him off the rim himself, but is trying to keep him from finding Steven Adams at the rim like he did at the second highest rate of anyone in the league last year. It's trying, again, Harden and Capella are the only ones that connected more often. It's trying to find him not throwing out one of his many passes to the corner to Paul George, who he connected with at a rate second highest in the NBA, only LeBron and J.R. Smith were higher. Ricky Rubio and Joe Ingles fifth, by the way. So you're trying to keep Russ to take mid-range jumpers in the half court, off the bounce threes, You you okay, you don't love the three, but okay. Because not only are you getting him in an inefficient spot shooting, but you're preventing him from reaching Paul George in the corner, from reaching LeBron, from reaching uh, Stephen Adams. And what's interesting to me in this regard about, and the Jazz executed that really, really well in game number one of the series. And then we go back to Paul George's 11 threes 
They come off a pick and roll at the top, no Westbrook involvement. They come off a pick and roll, Rubio guarding him, no Westbrook involvement. Comes off a catch and shoot off an offensive rebound, Westbrook threw it out to him, but that's not a set play. He's got defensive rebound. One-on-one on Joe Ingles. A catch and shoot off an Adams pick that might have come from Westbrook, but from the top, not from the paint. One-on-one on Gobert. Ingles went down wide open. Um, quick transition pass from Westbrook in transition. Beautiful play from Russ. One-on-one on O'Neal angle left. One-on-one on O'Neal. Shook him. They're not coming off of other people's action. That, I think, is a, is a really important, important note to how the Jazz played Oklahoma City and what they did well in game number one of this series. The other thing is, if you look at the shooting numbers, Russell took 25 shots, his expected effective field goal percentage off those shots was 47%. His was 40. Paul George's expected was 48%. The the and he ends up at 80%. The takeaway here is as much as playoffs are about adjustments, be careful. You don't want to over-adjust. Russell Westbrook did not throw an entire pass in the entire game to Paul George in the corner, which is the key part of his game. Now, Ricky Rubio did not throw a pass to Joe Ingles in the corner either, which is a huge part of his game. So teams prepared and took away a lot of things from each other. And that's an area where... As, as much as we think about adjustments and changes and doing this and doing that, I'm not I'm not sure that there's that many adjustments other than if Paul George takes an expected field goal percentage of 48% and turns it into 80, we lose. Unless one of our guys does the same thing, which seems unlikely. And and that I think is the biggest takeaway. Let's we'll look at the offense uh, on this next. Today's show brought to you by my good friends over at Slow the Flow. They're back. Love love my friends at Slow the Flow. Uh, we, we've talked about this a lot. Water, water conservation, living in a desert, um, doing all these things that, that matter. Well, the playoffs are the time to shine. Not just for you, the players, the coaches, but for the weather. I know it's going to snow this weekend, but in theory, we're not going to get blown out of the building every night either by Paul George or the wind that was in Salt Lake yesterday. And the beginning of the postseason does not mean the beginning of the watering season, though. Most Utahns aren't sure when to begin watering their lawns and start watering way too early. Luckily, Slow the Flow has the playbook to help us all succeed. Visit slowtheflow.org to find Utah's lawn watering guide. This tool will let you know when and how often you should be watering to maintain a healthy yard. The Lawn Watering Guide is updated every week based on specific weather needs in your area, so you can be sure you have a winning game plan all spring and all summer long. That's pretty cool. Not only will they follow the guide weekly help save Utah's water, but it will also help you avoid a lot of potential issues like attracting pests. It can ultimately save you a lot of money and time. The truth is Utah's spring and summer is going to be a seven-game series, and we need everyone to come out on top. Show your Utah pride. Don't begin to water too early. 
Become the champion of your yard this year. Slow the flow. Save H2O. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I am driving the new Kona. It's a small, kind of that quick, small, sporty SUV. Subaru has one, kind of with that track, super popular. Fun. Really cool car. Small little SUV, zippy. Uh, comes in at about $20,000, drives really well, has enough power, uh, was able to fit my super big bag in for the uh, for the way up. Might have had a seat down on that one. I have a big bag on this trip because I brought all my bike stuff hoping to ride today. And it's fun. You get the Murdoch Assurance, the 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance in any Murdoch you purchase. And you also get the Murdoch Guarantee, the five-day price match guarantee, car washes, oil changes for life, all the things that make the Murdoch experience terrific. Make sure that you check it out and check out the new Kona. It's the zippy, little, good-looking, quick, smaller, very small, very cute. Very small is probably not the right word. SUV. Uh, I like it. I've driven the Elantra, loved, er, loved it. Or driven the Sonata, loved it. Driven the Tucson, liked it. Drew the Santa Fe, loved it. That, that's kind of my scale. I thought the Tucson was nice. I loved the Santa Fe. It's all at 4646 South State Street. Check them out at Murdoch Hyundai. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so... Let's get to our offense. A lot of the same kind of story. One, our shot distribution was off, right? So we don't need, in theory, Ricky doesn't need to take that many shots. But what they were doing was they had taken away Ingles out of the pick and roll. Joe was just completely kind of out of that game in a way that we haven't seen him out of a game uh, this year. And so then the Jazz got it into the Rubio and Mitchell pick and roll, and both of them had a hard time getting the ball out to our regular spots. So, and what I mean by that is, again, kind of the Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio pick and roll, or corner three is the fifth most in the league. Um, You know, we take a lot of corner threes. They're 30th in the league in allowing corner threes. So, we should be getting 10 to 15% of our shots 
as corner threes, we got five the whole game. We did not get out to those to that those corner threes the way we usually do. We went two of five on the ball game on corner threes. Directly at the rim, we went 21 of 36. That's not terrible. But that's a shot we should be able to get because Adams comes out on you. If you look at... I'm looking at Ricky Rubio's shot right now. And they've got four guys all on the... Rubio's got the ball on the left side. Four of their guys are all on the left side of the paint. If I run through Ricky Rubio's shot attempts, almost always there are four guys overloaded to the side, the left side of the floor where he is. Now, it's tough because Favors is the guy in the far corner and he's not a three-point shooter they're concerned about. But Gobert is being guarded by Carmelo at the rim. So... In game two, the Jazz have got to move off of those shots and into the the next shots that that's there. It, it's an interesting exercise. I went through, and I'm not trying to pick on Rubio, but you know, if we're honest about it, we're not looking for Ricky Rubio to take 18, 18 shots. Like that's just not who who we're watching. And so I went through almost all of them are on the left side of the floor, and you pause each one of these shots and you end up seeing the same thing. So uh, that first one was the one that that I just talked about. You know, you you run through these and he makes two or three on the left side of the floor, but he misses everything outside 15 feet. Didn't look as comfortable with that as he has. But here it is again. He runs a pick and roll to the left side of the floor. Corey Brewer's hugging Donovan Mitchell left side. Gobert is in the in the dunker spot on the left side. Rubio's on the left side. Favors is rolling to the basket. Paul George has come over to take him. Joe Ingles is wide open in the corner. Wide open. And Rubio misses. I'm not I, I don't want to pick on Ricky. It was it's an easy process for me to go through is to look at his 18 shots. Here it is again. Top of the key jumper. This one's just out of some action. I think he's trying to get a flow early. We're up 16 to 8. He's feeling it. And he misses. Now he has a V pick and roll. V pick and rolls where you have two guys up top, both sitting in the pick together. He goes to the left. Carmelo Anthony guarding. He attacks Carmelo. He fades back. This would have been a tough pass to Royce O'Neal on the near side. But again, all five Thunder players are in the paint as the time this shot goes off, or on the ball side. And and this is, I'll do one or two more. I ran through it today. Every single time. That's that's how this, this team is. They overshift. Even when Rubio takes a three, they've got a four-man on that side of it. And that's, you know, and that's where I think you have to... Um, and Ricky, at some point, I think, was just trying to find it. And was he was off. That's the other thing. He missed. When he missed by, he missed by a good deal. But here's another. Here's the final one I'll take you through. Right side of the floor. Donovan flares that left. Comes off a go-bear pick. Drives to his left hand as he does. He attacks Adams, which you're supposed to do. You're supposed to engage the big. 
Now, he's gotten so deep onto the baseline that I don't know how he gets rid of this ball. But again, all five guys are on on the rim side of the ball. The takeaway here is now that you see this and you understand it, can Rubio find passing windows? And I don't know the answer to that because Steven Adams is long. Paul George is long. Russell Westbrook is long. So this is not a team where you're easily going to be able to just get the ball and, and, and get through those, those passes. All right, those are the two things, the Russell Westbrook passing and the ability for Ricky Rubio to find some passing. There were the two things. We'll do Time Machine Tuesday uh, next. Today's show is brought to you by The Advocates. Matt over at UtahAdvocates.com has been doing this for 25 years, helping people uh, as a personal injury attorney. And what he's done is he's really figured out the craft. It's pretty cool. So all accidents happen, and they're all different. Yet the process by which the end result comes for you, which is good results, making sure nothing bad happens, and making sure you're treated well, is actually pretty similar because of the fact that only 1% of accident cases go to trial and 3% go to arbitration. So Matt has built a 106-step process with experts along the way dealing with these cases. You'll call Utah Advocates at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. And when you do, an attorney will call you within 60 seconds. Once the attorney understands your case, knows what's going on, he puts you into the system, puts a few notes on it to customize and personalize it, and then it, it kicks in. Then the advocates go to work with their 106-step process, 25 years in the making, and they make sure that you get good results, nothing bad happens, and they treat you well. And what that does is it creates efficiency. Efficiency means productivity, means communication with you, means expediting the process. If the time comes, call Utah Advocates at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. The Locked On Podcast Network is home to the number one daily NBA podcast, Locked On NBA. No team that relies on any single player like the Rockets rely on Harden or have historically relied on Harden has ever had any kind of realistic title aspirations. They might already have a window closed on them before it's even actually opened in Orlando. It's just not realistic for a team to rely on a single player there and be able to win a championship. When you want the biggest stories and the best NBA talk before it's old news, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Time Machine Tuesday. Little playoff. We better better make sure we're in the playoffs. Let's go. Let's go grab it. Fiddles around. Looks inside his his franchise year bag. Yes, yes, I brought it with me. I I was smart enough to know that we were playing on a Tuesday. And he grabs and he looks. Oh, look at this. A fun one. We go to 1987-88. I think this is the first year. What did we do? We win a... Frank Layden won a... This might be a third time we ever won a playoff series. So this is the 47 win, third in the Midwest Division, 87-88 team. That eventually... This is the team that... uh, Kind of makes the Jazz name. They pushed. This is the team that pushed the Lakers to seven. So let's see where we were on April seventeenth. On April seventeenth, we were still in the regular season. We had just. We were forty-two and thirty-five. We had just come off a big win against the San Antonio Spurs to break a losing skid. We were struggling. We get the win over the Spurs to go to 43 and 35. The Spurs were 30 and 48. Spurs starting lineup was not one to behold that time of year cuz this is a brand new process that teams are playing players you've met. Greg Anthony, John Sunvold, Alvin Robertson, Mike Mitchell and Frank Perkowski. Maybe maybe a chance that other teams did what teams are doing now. Jazz Carl Malone had 38 15 points, 5 assists. Three steals, did turn it over seven times. He went 16-20. Big T came off the bench for 28 points and 10 rebounds. And an assist, he went 11-24, of 24, had a big game. Stockton had 16 assists. Mark Eaton blocked five shots in that game. Mark Ivoroni and Bobby Hanson both started, went one for three. Jazz went one for four from three that night. And the Spurs went one for six from three that night. Brad Kofid hit the 1-3 for the Jazz. Mel Turpin played Ricky Green, Scott Roth. Eddie Hughes, don't remember Eddie Hughes, played four minutes for the Jazz uh, that night. The next night on our Time Machine Tuesday, <clears throat> the Jazz would go play Portland and win it in Portland 129-122 for the Jazz 44th when Portland was really good. Portland that year won 50 games. Their team was Terry Porter, Clyde Drexler, Jerome Kersey, Caldwell Jones, and Kevin Duckworth. They're missing. Kiki Vandeway, Mo Lucas came off the bench. They were missing somebody. There's somebody else on that team. It's uh, pretty good. Uh, so this was the next night. Malone went thir- or two nights. Malone went 38-12 and 12 that night. Woo! Carl going big. Stockton dropped 25-18 and 18, along with four steals. Did turn it over seven times. Thurl Bailey on fire had 29 that's Big T about this stretch. Big T had played 41 minutes and was on fire. The Jazz went 2 of 4 from 3 that night. Stockton made them both. Blazers went 2 of 8 from 3. Clyde Drexler had 35. Kevin Duckworth had 24. Jerome Kersey had 24. Kiki Vandeweghe 16. As the Jazz beat Portland, this was on their way to that fun playoff run. Maybe we'll have to revisit this team, by not by accident. Uh, Jazz... Uh, had 30 points in every quarter, had an offensive rating of 121 that night. Pretty impressive. Jazz would go on to close the season on in after kind of, they were in the skids. They had lost uh, five of seven and then would close the season, winning seven of their final eight to get to 47 and 35 before 
trouncing the same Portland team in the playoffs three games to one and then go on to play the Lakers. That is Locked On Jazz today, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get all the latest interviews from practice today at LockedOnJazz.net or at UtahJazz.com slash LockedOnJazz. And for the latest on all of the podcasts, go to LockedOnSports.com. Have a great day. Thanks very much for tuning in. This is from Oklahoma City still. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.